Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What happens when a popular rock radio DJ retires, sells everything, and with his wife, takes off in an RV to see America? It's the Rockin' the RV Life podcast with Jeff and Patty. Join them each week as they share their experiences while giving you advice and tips along the way. I'm Jeff Kinsbach. And I'm Patty Kinsbach. And Jeff and I have been married for 33 years. That long? Yeah. Yeah. And we live and travel full-time in our RV. It's almost been two years now. You know, many times we have said that it is vital that you keep your eye on the weather, especially when traveling with an RV. Now, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people can say, oh, that's boring. Weather can change fast, as you well know. Now, good example, Patty and Mackenzie had to leave their campsite early when they were camping in a tent in Badlands National Park. Oh, yeah, that was a few years back. Mackenzie and I were on a road trip, and we were in South Dakota. Dakota at the Badlands. We had set up our tent. We went into town to Wall Drug. And the cashier said, are you ready for the storm tonight? And we said, huh? And he said, oh yeah, there's warnings out. So we looked at our phones and sure enough, oh man, there was a huge storm heading right for Badlands National Park. So we left there and decided, you know what, let's go back and pack up and head to our next destination. We didn't want to be in the middle of that. Good thing you had your cell phones. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, most of us keep up with the forecast with our cell phones, but cell phones don't always have good service. Well, there's a solution for that, and we'll get to it in a minute with our guest. There are many incidents where people have literally lost their lives due to flash floods. So sad. In many areas, including the national parks. Oh, yeah. So we keep an eye on the weather all the time by checking with the National Weather Service. They are the best and the most accurate. They are. They started back in 1849. Telegraphs were used by weather spotters to relay information. Eventually, airplanes, balloons... And then, of course, the satellites and the computers of today. Now, could you imagine sailing on a ship in the ocean back in the 1800s and not knowing that a hurricane was approaching? Oh, oh my gosh. No wonder there's so many shipwrecks. (laughs) Yeah. Now, today, things are obviously different. Mm -hmm. And we recently were invited to tour the National Weather Service in Cleveland, Ohio, It was very impressive. Yeah, really. A wall of high-resolution screens literally greets you, along with many desks and computers. Mm -hmm. We were shown how data is collected, analyzed by computers, and how forecasts are created. Now, the accuracy is amazing. When severe weather develops, the meteorologist can actually peer into the storms to see what is happening. We were invited by National Weather Service meteorologist Kirk Lombardi, who agreed to sit down with us and discuss the importance of keeping an eye on the weather. Kirk, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. First of all, we want to thank you for the amazing tour that you gave us here. We had no idea how the National Weather Service works 
it is incredible how you put together forecasts and how you can predict, you know, five, seven, ten days out. It's amazing. How long have you been doing this? I've been uh, working for the National Weather Service 33 years. I started out four years in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, mm-hmm. moved to uh, Binghamton, New York for four more years, and then decided to come back home to mm-hmm. uh, northern Ohio. It might seem like a silly question, but why is it important for not only people every day, but especially travelers, campers, and RVers to constantly check that weather forecast. Well, you have to realize that when you're out on the road, you're not in the comforts of your own home where there's uh, places to go where it's uh, safe. Uh, Your vehicle is susceptible to high winds, lightning, flash flooding. Obviously with hurricanes, we know in advance that that those are coming, but uh, just something to think about So you make sure you know the weather well in advance before you make a a destination. Weather can change quick, can it? It sure can. You can go from a nice sunny day to a raging thunderstorm in a matter of, you know, an hour. If you're not on top of it, you can can get caught in one of these storms. We see a lot of people who will take off during the day and they leave their canopy down. You mean they leave their awning out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And those winds come up and that acts as a sale and Uh that's an expensive repair yeah there was a story in utah on june 23rd flash flooding people went into the park they didn't check the weather forecast and got caught in the narrows and cars got washed away luckily nobody was killed or hurt bad right but when they get in the park most of the time they don't have a cell service so they can't check the weather once they get there. Well, one of the things that we try to push is the National Weather Service broadcasts on what we call NOAA All Hazards Radio. These broadcasts are radio broadcasts that can reach a lot further than some of the cell service towers. But the only thing is, though, if you do get in some of the remote areas, it's still wise to uh, know the forecast before you even go in there. Mm-hmm. If there's a threat of severe weather or flash flooding, you may want to reconsider going in there because you could actually become stranded. Right, no matter how nice the day looks when you get started. The thing is about flash flooding is even though where you're standing could be clear blue skies, the storms could actually develop miles away and then the raging uh, flash flood could come Mm down through the channels or like especially out west where like in the royals or they call them a wash yes Uh, you definitely don't want to be camping out in one of those because in the middle of the night a flash flood could be rolling in and you'd never know it yeah Yeah, that's really a good point Mm -hmm. because people will they'll go boondocking yeah and they'll get on the bureau of land management land they get off in the middle of nowhere they find a nice smooth spot little do they know that it's a wash right and That storm could be miles and miles away, dumping tons of rain. You wouldn't even hear the storm. And the next thing you know, you're in the middle of a massive wall of water. Right. Not to mention, too, the debris that comes down with that that water. I mean, you get entangled in that as well. You can put together a forecast, and then you put together the five-day, the seven-day, and the 10-day. What is the percentage of accuracy for those? Well, actually, our forecasts that we issue, they're fairly accurate um, in the first you know, few days. Mm-hmm. But obviously, uh, weather systems change as you go further out into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, one good example I like to use is just pretend like you have a, a little boat and you fill it with sand and you put it in the river. And then you have to predict what time it will arrive at a certain point. 
and then as it hits some rapids how much of that sand is going to be filled out of your little boat and that's basically what we do deal with with weather we watch these little systems move down the river and we forecast what time it will be there and how much precipitation will fall out of that system what's really fascinating is that you showed us that literally you can have a tornado warning up in less than two minutes yes uh, in the old days we used to have to make a decision looking at the radar whether we're going to issue a tornado warning or a severe thunderstorm warning and then we'd have to sit and type that warning and it would take several minutes to get the warning out but now from the point we make a decision that we want to issue a say a tornado warning we can go ahead and just click the buttons a few times and within seconds even a couple minutes at most I have the warnings out, and they're immediately broadcast on the NOAA All Hazards uh, radio. We were talking about lightning a few minutes ago and how important it is to stay away from it. You told us a story, I think it was in uh, Rehoboth Beach, that there were a couple of people on the beach. It was actually a pretty nice day, but there was a storm out on the ocean, and they were struck by lightning. Yes, the case where the two people were actually sunbathing out on the beach, as you just mentioned, there was a storm off the coast, probably about 20 miles from the shore. And we received a phone call from the law enforcement down there that two people had been struck by lightning. And what happened was it's what we call a bolt out of the blue where these lightning bolts can actually travel several miles Mm -hmm. and strike well outside of the storm. And that's why we always tell people that, especially like RV, if you're out out in the open, if you hear thunder, go indoors. Or the saying goes, when thunder roars, go indoors. Right. Because if you can hear it, you're within striking distance of being struck by lightning. It's always a little scary at night when we're sleeping and we're woken up by thunder and it starts to get louder and louder. And, you know, here we are laying in the RV and it's like, Okay, I hope it doesn't get too bad, <laughs> you know, but... We've had winds really shake that oh, RV. Oh, yes. Yep, uh, the winds can really uh, move that And you're thing. like, whoa, this is yes. really shaking here, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I know that as a storm comes through, the National Weather Service says, yeah, there's a chance of uh, some severe storms. Well, we all know that they can get worse. Well, I wanted to mention on the, uh, you know, these RVs that we had the opportunity to go see how they're built. And if you get a good look at them, they're basically a steel chassis on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly fiberglass and some fairly fragile tubing on top, which holds the actual coach together. Mm -hmm. And you get a strong wind of like as little as 50 or 60 miles an hour hitting the side of that can actually roll the uh, RV. If you're at a campsite, the best thing to do is go into like the restrooms where usually built out of concrete block mm-hmm. and they're a lot more sturdier you want to get out of the rv for someplace safer now kurt do you have an rv we don't have one yet but mm-hmm. we rented one last year and we're going to rent one here next month okay and we are thinking about getting one mm-hmm. yes oh that's good mm-hmm. where'd you go when you rented it first one we went to was uh, out through the finger lakes Never been in one before and wanted to give it a try. Mm-hmm. I made sure I, I made plenty of stops where I had to use the take care of the hose and all, you know, the sewer hose. Yeah. Because I wanted to get used to it and see if I'd like it or not. Right, right. yeah. But this time I know what it's like. I got, well, two stops this time. Mm-hmm. So, but we're going, this year we're going down to the Outer Banks. Oh, oh nice. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. People tell me about the Finger Lakes and, and they rave. I've never been there. 
I guess I should go, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you go to all the falls. They're, they're gorgeous hikes. And, you know, it's just it's a tremendous area to hang out. Wineries, if you like doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you thinking about? What type of an RV do you have in mind? We'd like to look for a Class A mm-hmm. uh, size because my wife, she uh, likes to sleep in a little longer. And I, I get up pretty early. And I told her I want something that has a door yes. where we can close it. So if I make noise, I won't wake her up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we so. have. It's really nice. Funny how yeah. that works. That's yes. exactly the yes. way. <laughs> Except she's the one that gets up early. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, um, she, oh, you ready to get up? And I, I told her I want something big enough with a washer and dryer. Yeah. Yes, in college, absolutely. I spent enough time in a, a laundromat, never again. Yep, don't no. want to do that. So. You need to have a washer and dryer for sure. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't yeah. believe the stuff we have seen in laundromats. Oh, man. Yeah. And you see people bring stuff in, and, and you think, no, you're not going to put that in the washer, are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I know that there are some portable weather stations you can get for your RV. You can get them for your house as well. Do you recommend any of those, or do you are you a firm believer in that NOAA radio? As far as your local weather, I personally have a weather station at home. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to have, if you can put it up on a pole outside your, your rig, you know how much rain fell and then how strong the winds were, what your temperature is. But as far as knowing what the weather is going to be in the future, you know, stick to the forecast because mm-hmm. the weather stations are basically tell you what's going on now and right. not the forecast. I'll tell you, I cannot believe the computers you have, the high resolution oh screens. Gosh, yes. It is so impressive oh, here at the National is. Weather Service. Mm-hmm. I rely on you guys a lot. I relied on you guys all the time when I was on the radio because we had to get that information out as soon as possible Mm -hmm. to people who were in their cars who were listening. So you guys do a fantastic job. This is Northeast Ohio that we're in right now. In the winter, we get some nasty snowstorms coming off the lake. So do you prefer doing the weather in the winter or in the summer? Well, for quiet weather and getting extra projects done, it's, uh, the summer's the best because oh. it's quiet. Ah. But what really got me interested in, in weather was the lake effect. Mm-hmm. And what blew my mind was living in Madison growing up, we had like no snow at all, not even a flurry. Oh. You drive west into Perry and there's a foot of snow. Yes. It's like, well, wait a minute. How did that happen? Oh, right, yeah. And, you know, as I learned and... You know, thanks to Dick Goddard, he taught me a lot of what I knew, you know, growing up. I was always a big fan of him, and it was because of him Mm -hmm. and a couple teachers I had in high school that got me interested in in the science. Okay, so then why didn't Madison get the snow? Well, you get these uh, Lake Effect snow bands that set up over Lake Erie, and the bands are so narrow that as long as they don't move, all the snow falls in that one spot. And then outside of that could be, you know, sunny skies during the day and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and no snow at all. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, Dick Goddard. He was a big we, influence. We, uh, in our office here, for those of you obviously you can't see, but on our windows here in the office, we uh, etched in the glass, the surface map, showing the, the big storm of 1978, the right. blizzard that hit northern Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I remember Dick Goddard telling a story that, uh, he had forecast the night before that we were going to get a big storm. Well, about 4 o'clock in the morning, he woke up and he started getting worried because it was still, what, temperatures in the 40s. And where's this big blizzard that he's forecasting? And he said, but his cats were bouncing off the wall 
and he knew something was up. Mm -hmm. Then about 7 in the morning when the cold front came through, it hit. It was, you know, some of the, the temperatures dropped rapidly and the, the big storm actually occurred. He said, well, he was concerned that he wouldn't have a job the next day. And he said, well, I've got my job still. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but that's like funny that. how animals seem to have a certain type of behavior before storms. Yeah. Yes. And actually, they say out west, prior to earthquakes, a lot of pets run away. So I don't know what that's about. And there's an old tale about ants, that they'll build their mounds higher if it's going to rain. Have you ever heard that, or am I nuts? No, no. <laughs> I've never. Oh. That's a new one. Yeah, yeah where'd you hear so. that? It was on the internet. Oh, well, then it must be true. <laughs> it must be true. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to ask this question, because I would see it on a lot of the bulletins. Spotter activation is not necessary, or spotter activation will be necessary. What is spotter activation? We put that statement in our, what we call the hazardous weather outlook. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, that outlook is to give people an idea that we're expecting severe weather, we're expecting tornadoes that day, large hail, damaging winds. And then that statement about the spotter activation may be needed is we have a network of uh, storm spotters that when we have severe weather, they can monitor what the storms are doing and be our eyes out in the field. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. our, our radar can tell us what's going on, but we don't really know for sure if it's producing a tornado at that given moment because they can tell us that, yeah, I see the wall cloud, I see the funnel cloud forming now. So there, there are eyes in the field. And as a matter of fact, we have Skywarn uh, ham radio operators that actually come into the office and they sit at the radio console and they'll get reports from other ham radio operators. And then they'll relate to us. Do you need any specialized training to be a spotter? Uh, we actually provide uh, spotter training courses every spring and sometimes we do it in the late fall. And basically it's about an hour and a half course and we teach all the spotters what the storm structure is, what a wall cloud looks like, what a funnel cloud looks like, what the difference between that and what we call scud clouds. Some scud clouds can look very much like a tornado, but there's a big difference. It's just a cloud, it's not a tornado. And then uh, how to report. You can do this anywhere in the country, not just here, mm -hmm. at every uh, National Weather Service office. We spend a lot of time in the winter in California. They just don't get any rain out there. I mean, every day it would be 70 and sunny, 70 and sunny, just absolutely beautiful. But why don't they get rain there? A lot of it has to do with uh, the mountains. If the mountains are upstream of their location, mm -hmm. then typically the mountains force that moisture up and over top of the mountains and then most of the rain will fall out and they don't normally get it mm -hmm. so a lot of your deserts are because of that if you notice like if you go to phoenix arizona you'll see mountain ranges up pretty much all around the area right and a, a lot of the the moisture never really can make it mm -hmm. into that area so you wind up with a desert i certainly don't want to get political or anything but for me i kind of think has the weather become more violent has the weather changed what do you hear in the scientific community? Well, I actually had an opportunity to uh, take a course on the climate change. Mm -hmm. And we had some of the best experts in the country there speaking to us. They took core samples up in the Arctic. 
and they were able to measure the carbon dioxide levels in in the ice in that core sample and seeing back you know you know, quite a few years, they were able to see when the industrial age started because right. of the amount of carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. And then they were able to compare that with the uh, temperatures. They noticed that there was a sharp increase in temperatures as the uh, carbon dioxide increased. Now, the other thing I forgot to mention, too, was that you asked about storms. Are they getting stronger? And one of the things that the findings are is that as the atmosphere warms up, we start to get more moisture in the air and we're starting to see some of these more frequent uh, heavy rainfall events where we get several inches of rain we just had this big event down in st louis mm -hmm. where there was over 10 inches of rain there and we're starting to see increases in those frequencies uh, occurring uh, in time weather forecasting has come a long way it must be a fun job it really is yes when i when i go talk to the kids at the school I tell them, I said, find something that you love to do as a hobby. And I said, make that your job because you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And oh, I've never worked like a day that. in my life. That's oh, fantastic. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Kurt, we want to thank you for being thank on our you podcast. Thank you so much. Anytime. And I want you in my camp just in case yeah. I hear from you. <laughs> We're going to Kurt. Kurt, what does that mean? We may have to follow <laughs> right. him around. Yeah. That's right. National Weather Service meteorologist Kurt Lombardi. And once again, a big thank you to him for inviting us up for a tour of the National Weather Service in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, yeah, he was great. Really impressive. Yeah. The high-resolution screens. I mean, an oh. entire wall of monitors and cameras. and Oh, yeah. And just amazing how they can predict storms and issue warnings as soon as possible, which is important, especially for us. We're going to be heading up towards New England, Maine, Nova Scotia, and then we're thinking long-term of heading down this fall to Key West. Mm-hmm we could be affected by hurricanes. Oh yeah, we're going during hurricane season. <laughs> well, NOAA's outlook for the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season, which extends from June 1st to November 30th, they predict about a 65% chance of an above normal season. Mm -hmm. So at least it's not 100%. And also between 14 and 20 storms that are strong enough to be given a name by the National Hurricane Center are expected in 2022, with up to 10 of those being classified as hurricanes. Named storms have winds over 39 miles per hour, and hurricanes have winds in excess of 74 miles per hour. Well, I'll tell you, if a tropical storm or a hurricane is headed in our direction, mm. we are heading in the opposite direction. Oh, yeah. Inland. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but it's important to keep your eye on the weather. And not only because of the summertime and the hurricanes, but also in the wintertime for snow and ice. And mm -hmm. you don't want your rig to freeze up and right. break hoses or yes. pipes or anything like that. No, you sure don't. All right. We're out of time for our podcast this week. Join us again next week. And don't forget to follow us at RockingTheRVLife.com or Instagram RockingTheRVLife. You can also go to Facebook, Jeff Kinsbach. Patty, I just checked the weather today. It's going to be 82 and sunny. You know what that means? I sure do. That means a 100% chance of a nice cold beer or wine this afternoon. It's the Rockin' the RV Life podcast with Jeff and Patty. Hear more of their adventures on the road with our next episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and tell your friends.